back to a flu-free episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am flu-free Gloria Ackerman. <laughs> this week, yeah, this <laughs> week we'll be discussing season four, right? Season four, episodes 19, 19. some 38th parallels, and season four, episode 20, the Novocaine Mutiny. And while Gloria starts with some 38th parallels i'm gonna bring up the episodes on there, the mash wiki there are a couple three main plots that i recognized first of all they began in surgery and frank has this brilliant idea of making money from the garbage he wants to charge the locals for garbage that they normally go through and take away um a second plot twist is radar found a patient in the hallway and went and got McIntyre and McIntyre. oh sorry Honeycutt <laughs> and um, Honeycutt told Radar that he saved this patient's life so Radar that was a whole situation and the third thing I think that was going on was Hawkeye's um, failure to perform so those are the three main plots of this particular oh and a colonel who like to go retrieve the bodies he believed that every soldier should um deserved an deserved american, an american casket but he lost a lot of lives going to get those lives mm -hmm. he so, he filled he filled coffins by getting coffin fillers right yeah so the, the, that was kind of the gist of what everything that was happening in this episode mm -hmm. unless you saw something else no um, so Laura did mention, yeah. and I guess I didn't notice until she mentioned it, mm -hmm. that Margaret was absent in these two episodes. Yeah. So, no talk of her, no... Mm -hmm. She was just absent. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. One thing I noticed. Yeah. Anything else you noticed? Um, not particularly. You know, it... I really like this episode overall. Um, I think because, despite Hawkeye's um, constant womanizing, this is actually um, a plot topic from the movie, uh, where Painless, the dental surgeon, okay. uh, can't perform with a woman and. Oh. In the movie, if you remember, he believes that all of a sudden he might have, like, late-onset homosexuality. Oh, yes. And okay, so he wants to kill himself. Here... Which is, yeah. Yeah, here, it's the same sort of deal, but Hawkeye's just like, oh, well, there's something going on in my head, I better fix it. And he eventually does, he just gets some release which we'll and talk he talks about. about it i think and he talks about it yeah I, I was impressed with that he talked yeah. about it with with honeycutt and with colonel mm -hmm. potter so <laughs> i love when he asked um bj about it bj goes happens to everybody has it happened to you no nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay then uh, um I, I loved radar in this particular episode because he was this very proud you know, when Honeycutt said that he saved the life of this boy, he almost mm -hmm. took on this concern like he was the doctor. In mm -hmm. fact, um, 
Hawkeye and um, Honeycutt were discussing some things that needed to happen with the patient, and they consulted with Radar. Mm-hmm. Radar just walked around mm-hmm. just beaming. beaming. Yeah. You know, he played puzzles with this young man and became very close to him. Yeah. With a very sad ending. Yeah, and and that also hits on another topic that I've seen. I think we've seen come back a couple times, and that is, um, if you remember the episode, sometimes you hear the bullet. Right. Where Hawkeye's friend died on the operating yeah. table, and Colonel Blake comes out and says to Hawkeye, um, "They taught us two things in command school." One is that in war, young men die. And rule number two is that you can't, yeah. doctors can't change rule number one. And, um, you know, Hawkeye says, I, I know that people have died on me before, but I never cried for them. Why am I crying for him? And we just see that, you know, certain patients touch lives. Tu- yeah, touch lives. And, this one touched Radar's life, and so he was deeply affected. At the same time, you know, you see BJ there, who obviously must, uh, who worked on him, who worked on, let me just scroll down the page. Gerald Um, Phelan. There we go. Private Gerald Phelan. Um, and he worked on Private Phelan, and BJ wasn't nearly as affected by it, because... For BJ, he was one patient. Of many. But for Radar, he was the only patient. Right. And friend. Yeah. You know, and he, he felt he felt a sense of, I saved you. Mm-hmm. So I think it was... It was personal. He, it was very personal. Yeah. And, you know, that's it's nice to see because um, in a later episode with Hawkeye... Hawkeye works on a general's son, and the general's son dies. And the general takes a moment out. He he had a trailer brought in where he was directing battles from. And he makes the comment, Normally for me, when men die, it's just a number on a page. When enough men die, I take a pin off this board. You know, war becomes numbers. Well, you know, this is showing that no... It yeah. isn't numbers, it's people. And, and people's that was, lives matter. And that was especially true for Radar. You know, for, for him, Private Phelan wasn't just another KIA. He was Private right. Gerald, Gerald Phelan. Phelan. So, unlike for the Colonel, who by the end of the episode, BJ's telling him, you know, Private Phelan died. Private who? And th- Yeah, and that was the gentleman who was army he was in or yeah whose Italian unit, unit. Okay. yeah I would just say unit um yeah you know this is the colonel who kept sending out patrols to get uh the yeah. bodies of the fallen which I understand on one hand but if it's that if it's that costly to do so it's not worth it like Hawkeye said if you ever find my body please leave it don't mm-hmm. put someone else in danger to get my body yeah and I think the colonel's comment uh, in the mess tent right near the end was, oh, you know, that's only three of ours for 15 of theirs. Leaves my kill ratio at uh, two to 
eight and a half or one eight and a half to one again a numbers game a numbers game yeah which really as i understand it that was the problem of the american mindset was it's a numbers game and as long as we keep our kill ratio Racial. high it's fine but the thing is when you have the chinese involved it doesn't matter what your kill count is what your kill ratio is there were too many chinese soldiers right so it and doesn't matter if you have a 20 to 1 And they kill knew the count. area, and they had underground, and they had... Well, especially in Vietnam, but... Yes. Yeah, you know, you, you're fighting the North Koreans, who do know the area. Who do know the area. So, yeah, 20 to 1 is great, but it doesn't mean anything. And they're used to the weather, and they're mm -hmm. used to the altitudes, and the... Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But, you know, again, for, for the Colonel, for Colonel Connor, this was a numbers game. For everybody else, it was a people game. Well, it wasn't a game, but it was. They did about get Colonel Connor back in the end. Yes, and that was part of how <laughs> Hawkeye unwound a little bit, which ties back into the Frank storyline. Frank, now did, you mentioned that he. He was trying to make a profit selling the garbage to the locals. That's yeah, all I said. So. Yeah, because they had previously just been taking it, and apparently there was a Pentagon directive that allowed. For a garbage officer to be appointed to auction off the garbage so he put it in different lots and he was selling the lots mm -hmm. and hawkeye and bj showed up for the auction <laughs> and hawkeye ducked out but he said to bj whatever the final bid is uh bid five more and so he bought a lot of garbage not not a lot of garbage a lot, a lot of, of garbage, garbage. <laughs> and um so then at the end of the episode, we have the colonel leaving, and uh, he, he's catching some child in the mess hall. Klinger walks in, comes over to Hawkeye and says, the colonel's jeep is ready. Everything's ready, sir. So then... They all go out to watch. BJ, yeah. um, Hawkeye, Colonel Potter, Radar, and Klinger. Oh, no, wait. Radar isn't there. It was Klinger. It was... Major Burns and it was uh, Colonel Potter. Well, Major Burns walked out. What are we watching? <laughs> yeah, and then you see a helicopter coming into over the camp with something hanging from it in a yeah. net, and then they dumped all the garbage on uh, Colonel Connor's head. And mm -hmm. I love um, Colonel Potter's reaction. He said, <laughs> "I didn't see any of that. I loved it, but I didn't see it." Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's my garbage. Yeah. No, no. I, I have a receipt. It. <laughs> oh, Frank. It was great. Um, yeah. Something else about the episode. Um, in the opening scene, Hawkeye says that he calculated it out. And for all the operations he's done, it's about five cents an operation. Well, when so... Yeah. When the nurse propositioned him, that's yeah. what she offered him. Yeah, Lynette Meddy, who we had previously seen as uh, Lieutenant Sheila Anderson. She's credited as Nurse Abel. <laughs> I am going to refer to her as Nurse Sheila. Um, but when Sheila comes up to Hawkeye after surgery, she says, I've got a nickel if you've got the, the time. time. Well, then he can't perform. Um uh, but then at the end of the episode, after he dumps 
the garbage, he finds her again and says, I've got the time if you've still got the nickel. And she said, all I have is a quarter. And he says, I think I can make change now. So, so you just knew everything worked itself out in that area. Yeah. Um, something I really liked with regards to that in this episode was when Colonel Potter, when Hawkeye went out to talk to Colonel Potter about his issues, uh-huh. and they were playing horseshoes, and, um, you know, they were just throwing horseshoes, and the whole time, like, Hawkeye's sharing his problems, and Colonel Potter says, I think I see what your problem is. You're letting go too early. <laughs> And <laughs> he's talking about the, the game. The game, the horseshoes game. Hawkeye doesn't care. <laughs> but then, you know, Colonel Potter does reassure him. I had the same thing happen in World War One. Yeah? Did you get over it? Sure. Not until World, World War Two. <laughs> but you know, get over it. But, you know, he, he tells Hawkeye you need to find a hobby, and that's where Hawkeye gets the... The garbage. The dumping. garbage thing, yeah. So. It's just a fun... Fun episode, lot going mm. on, but not, not a whole lot. But at the end, yeah. you do see the sadness in Radar. Yeah, there's you, a movie, and mm. everyone's eating popcorn out of a helmet, uh, <laughs> or a head hat, or a head hat, as Gloria said. <laughs> and um, you can just see the sadness in Radar. He still hasn't gotten over his friend that he lost, mm-hmm. the life that he saved. Yeah. Anything else no. about this episode? No, it's a good episode. I've got a few things. Okay. Um, so one thing, when uh, Radar is mentioning, when he calls BJ out into kind of this, not really post-op, but it's that little corridor right next to the operating room where, where they stick the guy. Yeah. Um, and he says to him, I knew I should call you because this guy's IV bottle went all snafooey. Uh, it took me a while, years ago, but it took me a while to figure out what snafu was. Just like foobar. And snafu is an acronym. Do you know what it means? Mm-mm. I just yeah. figured it meant broken. No, well, not really. Snafu, S-N-A-F-U. Same news. Always up. Oh. Yeah, that's an official, an unofficial official army term. Okay, didn't Same know news, that. Same news, always up. Um, so Snafui was actually... That same... Yeah, which okay, I thought I was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Also, something else I caught was uh, in the mess tent at the end, they're talking about... Uh, Dr. R. Liston performed the fastest amputation. I looked this up, and this would be Robert Liston. He, uh, he was a Scottish surgeon and was alive from 1794 to 1847. And, uh, the operation they're talking about Liston's most famous case. Amputated the leg of the patient in under two and a half minutes. He amputated, in addition, uh, I believe, Mash 
quoted three fingers, he amputated in addition the fingers of his young assistant. He also slashed through the coattails of a distinguished surgical spectator who was so terrified that the knife had pierced his vitals that he dropped dead from fright. Oh my gosh. Unfortunately, now this was at a time when they didn't really have the best um, cleanliness practices or antibiotics. So the patient died of gangrene. The assistant died of gangrene. So this was an operation that had a 300% mortality rate. Impossible, but possible, (laughs) apparently. So I just found that really unfortunately like darkly humorous but uh it's on wikipedia robert liston yeah that's that's an interesting case what what's also interesting is that this was actually an important thing that he could perform amputations so quickly because um according to just what i skimmed here People could die during amputations because of blood loss. So the fact that he could get, yeah, because the fact that he could get in, out, and done so quickly was really amazing. You know, the fact that he killed three people in this (laughs) particular amputation, amputation. maybe not so much, but uh, let's see here. What else? Fun facts from the wiki. Uh, actor Kevin Hagen would return to MASH in season 7 playing a different and much more agreeable character. So that was the Colonel. And as we said, Loretta Swift does not appear in this episode. Uh, speaking of the episode, this was production code G521, directed by Gene Reynolds. And its original air date was January 20th, 1976. And again, just the, uh, the cast... Since Father Mulcahy still is not an official member of the cast, he's credited as a guest recurring cast member, William Christopher. We have Kevin Hagen as Colonel Connor, George O'Hanlon Jr. as Private Gerald Phelan, and Lynette Meddy as Nurse Abel. Again, I like to think of her as Sheila Anderson. All right, next. Okay, next, go ahead. All right, season four, episode 20, The Novocaine Mutiny. Um, I really like this episode because of how it's not linear, I guess. Mm -mm. We start in a courtroom, which I think looks a lot like (laughs) post-op, but without the beds. But anyway, uh, we start in post-op. It is the army. So I'm sorry, we start not post up. <laughs> yeah, we start in uh, a courtroom where it is a pre-arraignment hearing to see if Hawkeye should be brought up on mutiny charges per Frank Burns, because there were events on uh, 11 September, October, 11 October, 1952, 11 October, 1952. Again, 1952, remember <laughs> that year, um, where on supposedly Hawkeye did commit mutiny by usurping the authority of Major Burns. Major Burns was in charge because Colonel Potter was on leave in Seoul, I believe. 
for six days. Uh, during those six days, what did the major have the camp do? On day one, he had them pack up. And Mr. Mobile. And move the camp across the street. On day two, what did he have them do? M is for mobile. He had them pack up the camp and move it back. Um, he outlawed gambling on the base. And so they were having secret poker games. Which leads into kind of one of the major plots of the episode. Wherein uh, he is doing all these snap inspections of the camp. And finds when he's uh, inspecting the kitchen uh, he is kind of taken aback on how you know dirty it is and Zale says well how would you feel if you lost $300 well he can't say that he, it was a poker game because well, poker he, was outlawed he kind of did but he's yeah. but Frank Byrne said it can't be poker it's outlawed well no he, yeah oh. Zale didn't Oh, the, someone did. The captains did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but Zale said, yeah, I was just out there somewhere. Uh -huh. I had $300 in my wallet, and then poof, it was gone. So it must be stolen. Yeah, so Frank goes on this campaign to try and find it. He searches Father Mulcahy's tent. He searches Klinger's tent. He talks to uh, the guys in post-op, and they say... It wasn't stolen. We were playing poker. And that's where Frank says, I outlawed poker. So therefore, it couldn't have been poker. So therefore, it must have been stolen. Um, he searches the swamp. And then he searches through Radar's stuff, which we'll come back to because he pulls out some comics. And I identified a few of them. Um, but we find out that Radar had the money on him the whole time. And uh, his teddy bear. And his teddy bear. <laughs> But then, uh, in OR, what happens is the guys are in OR, Frank is doing triage, and pre-op, preparation for operation, and he's sending guys into the OR who are still shocky, who aren't stable, who will die on the operating table because they aren't ready for surgery. And so, Hawkeye calls Frank in. Him and Frank are having this argument. Hawkeye does his normal threaten Frank thing. Frank turns to try and escape OR to get away from Hawkeye. Slams into the door and is knocked unconscious. Because the nurse was opening the door at the mm -hmm. same time. Yeah. And that is what this mutiny hearing was apparently about. Um, it's very interesting during this episode, Frank gives his own rendition. That's what I was just going to mention. Yes. Of Love what it. That happened. And it makes Frank seem like a surgical. Super Frank. Yeah. It just. <laughs> um, what is it? Why is there only one patient? If I, I have two hands, I need two patients. <laughs> um, Hawkeye. Let me get my own blood. And yeah. Ties his arm off and shoves the needle in oh. his own arm. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkeye's patient is running <laughs> low on blood. So he pulls the. I mean, it couldn't work. He pulls the tube out of the <laughs> bottle and somehow shoves it into his own arm. Whatever. In his, this is happening in his mind. This yeah. is how the day happened. Yeah. And I love after he's done retelling it and Hawkeye's on the stand, Hawkeye goes, 
Major Burns recounting was, to say the least, interesting. interesting. To say the most, it was perjury. <laughs> to be fair, he did say a few things that were factually accurate. It was October 11th, and we were in Korea. That was about that's it. That's about it. Yeah. Um, but that's about the episode. You know, it's, it's this back and forth between the courtroom and the events happening at MASH. Because then you heard um, the real way it happened, yep. which like was I, the way you explained it earlier. Yeah. Um, two completely different versions, which is, you know, Frank Burns' mm -hmm. version and Hawkeye's version. Yeah. And then the episode ends with uh, this group of Radar, Klinger, Zale, Mulcahy, Hawkeye, BJ, playing basically the same game of poker in the supply room. Uh, Major Burns brings in Potter, and he says, See? See? I told you they were playing poker. I never rescinded I, my it. prohibition. So this is illegal. And Potter is looking on and bj wins with basically a pair of fives and potter says if you can win a, with a pair of fives at this table deal, deal me, me in, in. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends so um, apparently gambling is now legal yeah <laughs> um anything that you saw in particular about this episode um well just like you said a fun one to watch i like when they go to court <laughs> and you know and you get to see the different versions of what people think in their minds mm -hmm. you know because I mean you know that people think differently and I, I know of people my brother hi Dennis um, uh. that see things in a different way sometimes than what reality gives us so mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see Frank's version versus reality mm-hmm mm -hmm. um, also, he made him take cold showers and just, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine having Frank be your boss? No. In any situation? No. No. But I don't know if I'd want Hawkeye either because there would be no authority. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm grateful that I never really had to work under a Frank. Um, some interesting things about this episode, if you have okay. nothing. No, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Uh, once again, we That's don't see Margaret in this episode. Uh, let's see here. Does not appear in this. Her absence could be linked to her Broadway commitments, as mentioned um, in research notes section of the interview. I'm reading off of the wiki as I'm skimming it here. Uh, Swit appeared opposite Ted Bissell in the play same time next year, debuting on 1st December 1975. Uh, it would have been interesting to see her testify at the hearing. That, so that makes sense. I mean, if right. she was doing Broadway, she might not have been able to Get appear on the show. Um, although Frank was legally in command of MASH while Potter was away, many of the arguments he had with Hawkeye about what priority to give to which patient and when and how to operate on a patient. Oh, this, now, this is something I yeah. thought. These decisions are the prerogative of Hawkeye's chief surgeon, so Hawkeye could just have as easily have pressed charges 
for Frank's failure to comply with his instructions. But perhaps Hawkeye was not GI enough to want to do that. That makes sense. That does make and, sense. And I wondered about that. It's like he's chief surgeon. Yeah. He's chief surgeon. Uh, in fact, Frank's refusal to assume responsibility in regard to prepping the wounded for surgery could have landed Burns before a court-martial board on violation of Article 96, conduct on becoming an officer. That makes sense. Um, the episode title is based on the title of the movie The Cane Mutiny about a mentally unbalanced commanding officer. <laughs> the Mew TV left out uh, Hawkeye's civilian underwear, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at one point we see them after uh, an operating session. They're Stripping changing down. clothes. Yeah, uh, Hawkeye is wearing a pair of white and blue striped uh Civvies. boxers yeah. yeah civvies and burns makes a big stink about that mm -hmm. so um is nothing sacred man <laughs> and then uh he said they were from his mother yeah and bj made some comment about let's keep things brief <laughs> yeah I, that was funny um the timeline is october 1952 potter took over command uh september 19 1952 this episode, uh, Blaze Captain Pierce. Okay. The insignia the colonel is wearing, who is conducting the hearing, is of the Eighth United States Army. And okay, this is this is a big paragraph here on the wiki. This is being called a preliminary hearing. In fact, it would have been an impartial investigation before court-martial. According to the 1959 U.S. Army Almanac, the three types of court-martials are Summary court-martial, one officer presiding, resolution of relatively minor offenses for a simple form of procedure. Special court-martial, three officers presiding for non-capital offenses. Max punishment is confinement at hard labor for three months, hard labor without confinement for six months, or forfeiture of two-thirds pay per month for six months. Also, a judge, a bad conduct discharge. It is also noted that an offense for which the death penalty is permissible but not mandatory may be tried by special court-martial, provided that the proper authority determines the offense is not capital. Such an offense cannot be tried by a summary court under any circumstances. And general court-martial, five members, and it is the highest trial court provided by the Court of Military Justice, can try any person who is subject to military jurisdiction for any offense punishable by military law, it may adjudge any punishment not forbidden by the law, including the penalty of death, when specified by the code. The code goes one step further and provides that a general court-martial may try and punish any person subject to trial and punishment by the law of war. So, that's legit. Um, this would have been a pre-hearing inquiry i guess uh hawkeye despite being anti-military actually legally threatens to have frank reported for misconduct frank tells hawkeye that he cannot threaten a superior officer like this the irony is that frank himself has several times threatened to report former co henry blake for misconduct oh, yeah. that's true that is true yeah and you did mention one other thing too that colonel potter was wearing his Calvary. It, it looked uniform. more like a cavalry um, dress uniform. Dress uniform. 
just because it wasn't a full length uh, coat, you know, which the short length, at least I'm guessing, you know, he would be sitting on a horse. Right. It wouldn't ride up on him. Whereas the others, they would. would. hit the horse. They right. would hit the horse. You know, his ended right at the belt. And having been cavalry, that would make sense. It would. That he would be, either that he would be entitled to wear that or that he would choose to wear that. Right. You know. Um, it would be what he had owned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A couple of things I picked up. Um, an interesting quote during the court-martial when the the colonel is asking Hawkeye, do you understand what this could mean? And Hawkeye's like, yes, I do. And the colonel repeats, it could mean death or other such punishment as this court deems appropriate. And Frank goes, right, death or worse. Or he was asking Frank at the time, and he looks at Hawkeye and says, death or worse. And Hawkeye is like, he wants... What is it? He wants my virginity, too? Yes, and then BJ said, so do I. I if I'd only known. <laughs> if I'd only known this sooner. <laughs> Which I thought was cute. Uh, because I'm always interested whenever I see uh, comics, um, when Frank was going through Radar's stuff, he pulled out four issues of comics that we see before the camera pans. One of them was titled The Adventures of Professor Stanley. It was basically an all uh, a monochromatic pink cover. I wasn't able to find that one. Another one was an Amazing Spider-Man cover. That one I'm pretty sure I did find. It would have been Amazing Spider-Man number 81, published in February of 1970. So, here we are, 1952. Reading comics from 1970s. Uh, there was another title. It was an Avengers title. Uh, it had a subtitle on it. Something about the Scorpion. I couldn't find that one either. And then we again see uh, issue 60 of the Avengers, published in January 1969, that we had seen back in the episode D.E.R. Tag. So those were the four comics that I saw during this episode. And, again, it's just... Futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> Timey wimey. It, it's interesting <laughs> that they tried to incorporate, you know, comics. It's a little unfortunate that they didn't pick comics from the age. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, this was only 17 years out. I'm guessing if I really tried, I could find some comics from 2000. I think we could find them now. Well, now those would be more expensive, but, you know, then you could find them. Right. Again, the ones they picked must have come off of the sale rack at some place. Right. But it would have been nice if they could have found some actual 1950s comics, but then it wouldn't have been as interesting, I guess, just visually. And I'm sure they didn't expect anybody to stop and <laughs> <No>. look. <laughs> you know, but... The, the comics then wouldn't have had quite the same flair on the cover. so They didn't know Chris Pullman. <laughs> eh, you know. I'm, I'm just a perfectionist and anal about details. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for those of you who <laughs> haven't been paying that. attention. No. <laughs> uh, one other thing that I really liked about uh, the Colonel in this episode 
I should really what what's the colonel's name here Colonel Carmichael sure Colonel Carmichael um, he comments on Hawkeye's record that he's an outstanding surgeon that that combined with the testimony clears Hawkeye of any wrongdoing and then Frank gets the gumption to saying what does what does my record show about me? And the colonel says... Oh, you shouldn't have asked. <laughs> this is one of those where if Margaret had been in the room, she probably would have gone, Frank, aren't you enough pain? <laughs> because the colonel turns to him and says, from what I've read, if you hadn't been drafted as a doctor, you would have been assigned as a pastry chef. <laughs> and so, then so there the you go. There, that's what we have. Uh, the guest cast... Of course, we had William Christopher being credited because he's not part of the full cast yet. Ned Wilson playing Colonel Carmichael and Johnny Hame, Hamer as Sergeant Zomozale. We also have uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara and possibly Patricia, Patricia Stevens, uh, who would have been the nurse who knocked Frank out. Oh, okay. Now, now she really should have had... Uh, a credit here because she had lines right you know just like i think it was in the last episode um kelly nakahara was nurse kelly was in there she was going on a date with oh with radar no with uh clinger with clinger and yes they, that's right they came through and then radar walked in and bj was consoling him about losing that patient so you know they had lines i don't understand why well, why they're not being credited but um i don't remember where kelly was in this one but i'm sure that she was in this episode at some point probably in or in that or I'm sure. yeah uh the production code for the Nogocaine mutiny was g523 the writer was harry morgan the director was bert prolitsky and the original air date was january 1976. At least the comics were done by then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the comics came from the past at that point at least. Well, thank God there isn't actually a tear in the space-time continuum. My God. The movie space-time. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, that's today's episode. Thank you for being patient with us last week since uh, the whole family... Gloria, All five of us. Yeah, Gloria, her husband Jody, me, Laura, even Ryan. We were all down with this nasty flu thing, and it just took us all right down. Took us out. I mean, I couldn't have even sat up on Sunday, and you I were couldn't. you were a day just ahead of me. Right. And so we were both in about the same boat. So thank you for being patient with us. Uh, if this is your first episode listening to us, thank you for tuning in. We invite you to check out all of our other episodes. You can do that on iTunes or your favorite podcast application by searching for Whiskey and Mash. We have a lot of episodes out there at this point. If you don't do the podcast thing, but you would like to hear more of our episodes, you can head over to narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go over to the podcast section, go to the Whiskey and Mash page, and there on the page linked are MP3 versions of all all of our past episodes you can either download those to an mp3 player or stream them right from the web page and if you would care to get in touch with us you can go over to that same web page and you can connect with us on facebook 
or email the show directly. Let us know what you think. You know, either through email or on Facebook. Positive, negative, let us know. Yeah. Let us know you're watching. Give us some ideas, hints, Listening. suggestions. Listening. Unless you listen with your eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then you might be watching it, which would be weird for me. I don't know what that would be like. Um, but I think that's all we have for this week. So, yeah, listen to us, connect with us, and we will see you next time on Whiskey and Mash. And this is where the outro music goes. There it is. Oh. Thanks for sticking around. Don't turn around on the internet.